Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our virtual podcast studio, Brenda Boyd, who is a reader advisor with our State Library's Talking Book Services. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Curtis. I'm so, I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you here. And uh, Brenda and I work together and have known each other for many, many years. We won't say how many, but um, anyway, Brenda is, uh, like I said, with our Talking Book Services Library. So tell us a little bit about what Talking Book Services does and what you do there. All right, Curtis. Well, the, the South Carolina State Library's Talking Book Program, we serve the entire state of South Carolina. It's administered by NLS, which is the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, which is also a division of the Library of Congress. The Talking Book Service Program is a free library service for people of all ages uh, with temporary or permanent low vision, blindness, or a physical disability that prevents them from reading or holding print materials. Uh, it also includes those with organic cognitive impairments such as dyslexia, ADD, and autism. We provide reading materials in audio, braille, and large print formats, and also a digital player. There are two delivery services, two, two options of delivery. Uh, one is mail delivery at no cost by the U.S. Postal Service, or instantly downloading these same materials from BARD to your favorite mobile device. Very cool. And um, BARD, what does that stand for? Because uh, I, um, I see that a lot. It stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. Uh, it's the web-based service that provides access to books and magazines in audio and, audio and Braille. It's a delivery service where you, you don't have to worry about having a player. You don't have to necessarily contact the reader advisors. You're responsible for your own your own searches, your own downloads, your own interest, and you never really have to talk to us if you don't want to. Well, one of the things I know that you do as a reader advisor is talk on the phone a lot, and you work with a lot of the patrons and, you know, help them find what they are interested in in listening to on audiobooks. So what what's kind of the, the general um, assistance you provide over the phone as a reader's advisor? Well, it's something that I personally call patron-centric. It's all about the patron. Uh, from their just basic reading needs that they might have, uh, most of the time our, our time is spent with our patrons where we're uh, registering new patrons for service. Uh, we're answering their questions. We are doing interlibrary loan. We do BARD assistance. And we're also uh, doing TBS outreach. But basically, it's all about the patrons. They're calling. They're asking for some of their favorite books. They've heard that there's a new book available. They want to find out if we have it. And sometimes it's just to pass the time with us. Uh, they want to share uh, information about the book that they just read or or not necessarily complain but you know maybe not this type of book I'm not interested or I really don't like this author uh, you find out uh, they have preferences and basically what I tell them when I we start out with our conversation of setting them up is that this is not our only conversation I expect to hear from them often in order to share with us what their needs are uh, that they're 
that we're always there, that they can call us at any time, even if we're not available, because we're only, we're open physically, uh, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5. Uh, the voicemail will allow them to leave messages for us, and as soon as we get those messages, we do our best to call them back. And I know that as myself, the communications director, I get uh, some of those questions that come to me and I try to immediately forward them to uh, any of our available talking book service reader advisors. Uh, exactly. So and, and we wonder how you get those calls, Curtis. <laughs> uh, we, we really do. Uh, there's a 1-800 number that is a direct line to us. And so I, I'm assuming that they're calling the state libraries line instead of the talking book services line and i also think if someone calls 411 for information they somehow somehow it gets to me but at, at any rate i try to get all of your patrons to you <laughs> and we appreciate that and, and that so brings, yes definitely and that brings up another thing how many reader advisors are there in talking book services because i know you have a number of folks who are on the phone constantly talking to your patrons and like you mentioned the conversations it's more than just books because some of these folks you know might be lonely and not have made many family members around so sometimes they just want to talk exactly exactly uh, currently there are five of us uh, I don't know if we want to if they want to me to throw their names out there or not but uh, it's uh, Diane Naomi Allie and Amber who is our newest addition to the talking books uh, reader advisor group actually we're the talking team uh, we're, we're broken the talking books now it's broken down into basically three teams. We have the talking team, which is the reader advisors. We have the book team, which of course is our circulation department and the service team. That would be Ron in the studio uh, as far as our services that we provide with books that we record in-house. And so, uh, like I said, that there are five of us and uh, our patrons keep us hopping, uh, which is what we want, it, want them to do. It makes a very short work day if you've answered 25 calls in a, in a given day. The service is a, is a godsend to a lot of our patrons. Uh, we receive letters and phone calls from family members stating that you, you've saved mama's life. Uh, there are times when uh, an elderly patron, an elderly client, new client has just not that they've get totally given up, but they've isolated themselves. And the books bring them back. It's amazing where at first when we're setting them up, they're really not interested. They don't want to talk to us. They're going, okay, I'll try it. And then once they get it, it's the most amazing thing in the world. They're calling constantly, please increase the number of books I'm getting. I'm not getting enough. I love this service. Uh, why didn't I know about the service before? If you're working in talking book services, it makes you feel good. It just makes you feel good uh, to know that what the little things that you do every day make such a big impact on others. And they tell us every day. And, and yeah, something like that is really fulfilling because I know when I've maybe been walking by the cubicles and I hear one of you on the phone with a patron and, you know, I can tell you're, you're doing more than than just advising them on what to read. So I, kn I know that they really appreciate that. Uh, one of the other things you mentioned was the um, audio recording production with Ron and what he does. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how he uses volunteers to record books? 
Okay, well, right now, uh, of course, because of COVID, none of that is happening. But Ron runs the studio for the Talking Book Services program. He's responsible for the actual recording of mostly their South Carolina titles. Uh, we do a lot, uh, we also do a lot of magazine titles. We do South Carolina Wildlife, and I think there may be one or two others, but he's responsible for that. Uh, the books are recorded in the studio. Ron does all of the reviewing and editing, and then the final process, uh, the books are uploaded into BARD, and they're shared throughout the network. So our little studio produces a book that is shared with everyone, every talking book library in the, in the country. And that's amazing because I know when we have those recordings take place, they're done with narrators who have auditioned with us to be able to record those books. And I know we've even had uh, one volunteer who is a teenager and, and I remember yes. her, yeah, I remember her coming in to even read some children's books. So that is kind of in a different voice, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's a great thing that we're able to offer and the, the soundproof um, recording booth is, is really an amazing piece of technology because it's like you're going into a large refrigerator or something. <laughs> exactly. But we have something new on the horizon as far as the uh, studio. Uh, it's it's going to be our mobile studio. And during this time of COVID, it's given us time to reevaluate our service and maybe change some of the things, some of the ways, some of the things that we're currently doing uh, with the new mobile studio. Uh, Ron will be able to supply the narrator with the equipment. They can go home and in the comfort uh, of their own home, they can record anything. And once the recording is done, of course, it's sent back, sent by email back to Ron and he will do all of the editing. And that's kind of like what I've done to do the podcasts because exactly. at the State <laughs> Library, we have a podcast studio, but right now we're doing this through Zoom because of, um, you know, quarantine and, and how the way COVID-19 has changed everything exactly. we do. Exactly. And that's another thing. How has COVID-19 changed the way TBS operates? Because I know all of you are working from home as well. Well, basically, there were two major changes uh, as far as two major changes for talking books. One was we implemented the elevated mailroom procedure. Now, this was to minimize exposure of the uh, COVID-19 virus to all state library staff and to all of our patrons. Um, all of the TBS mail is disinfected upon arrival. Uh, it's then quarantined for at least four days. Before, before being shipped out again. Like anything else, we thought that this was gonna be for a couple of weeks, at the most, maybe a month. Boy, were we wrong. And right now we are still implementing uh, this procedure. And I think for the foreseeable future, we will probably, uh, this will just be part of the norm. You know, it's, it's very unique for us, um who work in libraries. I've, I've spoken to a few public library directors and I've spoken to some academic library folks. And, you know, we're all doing things much differently being working from home because our collections, you know, drive a lot of what 
we do. And, you know, luckily we're able to have things like BARD so that library patrons can just download on demand. And, um, you know, with, with the other physical items, we've had to really kind of rethink how we're able to, to deal with those. Um, one of the things that we're doing at our part of our regular library service at the State Library is we've just started curbside service. So we do have a few of our reference staff going in um, weekly and uh, filling those requests and, you know, someone can schedule the time to pick up their items. So slowly but surely things are coming back, but uh, I, you know, it's, it's very different from how we're used to operating. Exactly. Uh, the other major change was with our mail, excuse me, not that, not our mail, with our phone service. Our, our clients are used to, when they pick up the phone and call us, they're used to talking to us directly. Now uh, it's going to voicemail. And so that's been a change for our clients. Sometimes they just say, hello, hello. And it, luckily with the voicemail, uh, we're able to capture their phone numbers just in case they don't leave us a message or maybe it's garbled. Uh, we, and, they're, and we're able to just call them back and say, hey, Ms. So Ms. Ms. Smith, you called us. And they're very surprised when we call them back immediately. We truly try to call them back within, I'd say, an hour of them calling. Uh, because we, we know they want to talk to us and we want to talk to them. Uh, there's one other thing I want to say about the, the ch as far as the changes uh, with COVID and talking books is that not so many, not so much as a change, but it gave us an opportunity to actually test, to test our service, to find out if things, if things would work, if certain things would not work. Uh, and what I'd like to do right now is just, you know, just give a shout out to uh, all the people responsible exceptional leadership of Lisa Aiken, the State Library Director, uh, Kristen White, Director of Talking Book Services, and Paul Harmon and his amazing IT department. Um, reader Advisors, we literally went home one day and we were ready to serve our patrons the very next day. Uh, they supplied us with laptops, tablets, cell phones, um, everything we needed to be successful. And it's, it's also amazing how a point of view can be changed, how, how it can change one's perspective. I mean, we always thought that the service could be virtual and we find out that yes, it can be. It's because of the way our, our service is structured. Uh, we use CLOS, uh, it's an automated operating system. Uh, and then there's BARD and we conduct all of our service over the phone and through email anyway. So uh, the only change for us is that we weren't near each other. We weren't in the same room anymore. But um, it was really a seamless transition physically, but emotionally not so much. Um, we uh, are a team. We love being together. Uh, we miss the collaboration. We miss the camaraderie of just being able to, you know, just yell over the cubicle, of, you know, and ask a question or something that we're not sure of while we still have our client on hold. Or if someone else has had another question and we have the answer that we can help our, our coworker out. 
So we miss that part about working as a team. But uh, Zoom sort of helps. Uh, we can talk to each other that way. We're doing a lot of texting. We're, make, we're doing a lot of phone calls to each other uh, just to stay in touch. Um, some of the other opportunities that COVID, you, you want to say that, that it's really that, that COVID provided, and it's actually just that, you know, we're working remotely, that we are having to do things differently and are and actually do things that we should have been doing their entire time, but we never had time to do. So uh, what we did was we instituted, uh, after the shutdown, uh, it's the COVID circulation suspension letters. Now, before we left, of course, we couldn't call everybody to tell them that we were going to shut down. That happened so quickly. So we printed out what we mailed letters out to all of our 6,500 clients and to just, just to let them know what was happening, that to keep your books, don't send them back. We don't know when we're coming back. And it also stated that the mail service would be shut down and that we did not have a return date. Uh, this devastated many of our clients and once we started receiving phone calls, they were telling us that it was every day. Are you back? Are you, when are you going back? Uh, we miss you. We want you to go back. So we used this time also to institute the COVID-19 cold call procedure. Now, what it was is that we called all of our clients. Each reader advisor was giving a, you know, a certain number of names, a partial list to call. And what we were doing with that is that we wanted to reach out to them. We wanted to tell them to reassure them that we were still here because a lot of them were thinking, oh, this is the end of talking books. And so we really didn't want them to, to feel that way. And we also used the opportunity, especially for all of our male clients who were getting the mail service from the post office. This was an opportunity for us to promote BARD to find out if family members or, uh, or their caregivers had internet access and that they could do this because this was a period of time where they were not receiving any books. And it was, very, it was terrifying to them. And so th that was one of the things that we, we did. And the great thing about it is that we actually registered. Now this is just the period from, I'd say the end of March to the end of May. Uh, we registered over over 60 new BARD patrons, and that was fantastic because some of them were so desperate to get books, and this was the only way that we could actually provide the service. Another, another thing we uh, dove headfirst into was the RUB program. Well, RUB is capital R-U-B program. Uh, it stands for Rating Unrated Books. NLS in the past, or in the beginning, uh, was responsible for recording all of the books. Now, this they hired all of the narrators, all of the studio techs, all of the reviewers, and all of the catalogers. But recently, I, I'd say maybe the last last four years, NLS has been they've contracted with uh, commercial audio producers, which is great. 
I mean, that uh, increased the number of books that, we, that our patrons were getting. Uh, production was a whole lot faster because we weren't waiting for them to go through the, go through the process. But that causes a problem because the books were not being, they didn't fall under NLS standards as far as rating. And so what now happens is that a lot of the regional libraries around the country have gotten together and we've created the RUB program. The RUB volunteers are responsible for rating books for violence, description of sex, and strong language. Uh, all talking book patrons nationwide continue to receive books they want without worrying about some, something that they may find offensive or inappropriate. And that is most important to our, to our clients. Uh, it makes a difference if you're going into a library and actually browsing. Uh, a lot of people may think this may be a form of censorship, but it's not. It's protecting our clients and also protecting us because we, we get it on the other end when they're not happy. They're receiving books that have strong language or, or, or just things that they don't seem, that they don't find appropriate for them. Exactly. It's kind of like going to a movie and, you know, is it rated PG or is it rated R? And you want, kind of want to know what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. You want to know what you're getting yourself into. NLS uh, provides a bi-monthly magazine called Talking Book Topics. And it lists all the new books that have become available. And in that listing, there's, a, there's an annotation. And in the annotation, it will give the information as far as sexual content or violence or strong language. But a lot of the new books, as we've just talked about, will say unrated. So it's a guessing game. You don't know what you're going to get. So one of the other things you've got coming up, I know, is kind of a carryover from what you had been doing uh, from within the library, and that's the new Digital Books and Friends Book Club, and this is an online book discussion, and you're going to be starting on August 28th, and, and what are some of the books that you've got coming up? Well, the first one we have coming up is The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, uh, and that will be, of course, this Friday. The next one will be September 25th, and it's Where the Crawdads Sing by Della Owens. On October 30th, we will have uh, the book entitled How to, Not, How to Not Die Alone by Richard Roper. Now, what ties all of these books together is about being alone. And so that is the theme for uh, this section of books that we're reading. Uh, we, uh, our clients have the opportunity, or anyone who is a talking book audio reader has the opportunity to give us a call. Uh, we're going to be doing it on Zoom, which is great. The meetings are held on the last Friday of every month from three to four o'clock. Uh, our clients can call in and get the login information from us if they're interested. And also if they're interested, I can go ahead and download all three of the books for them and, and ship them out to them. So they'll have all three and they'll be ready for book club. And the good thing about using Zoom is that all they need is the telephone number because they can just call in. They don't have to necessarily use a computer or a laptop and go to a website. They can actually just call in and listen to the conversation as it's taking place. And that way it's kind of you know, neat that you've chosen these different books that are about being alone, but you're able to talk about them in a group. So it's kind of a nice, nice uh, contrast there. 
Exactly. Um, we started this book club because a lot of our clients were, were interested or maybe not interested in a book club, but they always, they would always want to call and talk about their books. Uh, if they've read something that's really great, they're suggesting for us as the reader advisors, you should read this book. It's a great book. And so we thought, well, maybe, you know, we're give, given the opportunity. I mean, we would never be in the same room together, but uh, Zoom allows for our clients from all over the state to meet in this one place. And uh, it's fantastic. Uh, book clubs bring people together. It gives people an outlet. Uh, you, you end up reading books you never read before. And of course, that, that, that's the great thing about a book club. And, and not everybody's gonna like the same books. Um, and, that, and that lends itself to a much better discussion if, you're, if not everybody's in agreement. Definitely. And one of the things I really appreciate about book clubs is it gives me a deadline. So <laughs> I know by a certain date, I need to have that book finished so that I can talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And, and also I try to, rem uh, I send out reminders. Uh, you get a week, you get a, a reminder at least 10 days prior. And then I send out a reminder again on the Monday before, just, you know, because we all get busy. There are things that are going on, but you know, if you've committed to reading the book and, I'd hate for you to miss book club. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about what other kinds of projects that Talking Book Services has uh, coming up. I know we're all still working from home, but that doesn't mean we're not working, you know. So, True, does so. not, does not. Uh, the next major thing that we have coming up will be the TBS Art Gallery uh, Ceremony and Reception. Uh, that was scheduled for April. And of course, due to COVID, we had to cancel that. So uh, this year is going to be virtual. And so that's going to be a challenge for us, but we're looking forward to it. I think we have a tentative date of September 30th, I think. Right, yeah, that's just what I heard. And these are students who, um, uh, I think it's grades three through 12. Yes. And these are students who are at the School for the Deaf and the Blind in Spartanburg, South Carolina, who do create art. And we do have a Talking Book Services student art gallery. So when we're open, we are able to show those items. But uh, for the students who have won awards on the, um, the contest, the art contest, uh, they'll receive those virtually. This will be our 10th annual. And so it was going going to be very special, uh, but with COVID, things had to change. Uh, I, what I'd like to do right now for the people who will be listening is to go ahead and invite them to the virtual ceremony. I would love for them to come. Uh, Curtis will make it happen as far as uh, sending out the information as to the when, where, and why. Uh, I, I was, was just going to say, in fact, the, um, the Flickr uh, photo album. I'll go ahead and make sure and put a link up on the podcast page so that folks can uh, see what previous uh, award ceremonies have been like. Exactly. Uh, this year we had uh, 23 uh, entries. Um, as Curtis said before, there are uh, blind or visually impaired students from around the entire state of South Carolina. Uh, we had students from uh, Cherryville Elementary, Chester Park School, Francis Marion Intermediate, Swansea High, the South Carolina School for the Blind, 
and Walnut Grove Christian School, which was great. Uh, the, two, the kids always have a great time at the ceremony, their parents. Uh, it's just a wonderful ceremony. Um, I, I really, what I want to do right now is just tell you very, just a very short story uh, of uh, my interaction with one of the parents. Uh, she turned, she was actually the grandparent who had uh, taken, who was now the parent, who had taken a child in. Uh, her grandson was visually impaired and uh, is visually impaired. Uh, he submitted an art project and he won an award. Uh, and she pulled me aside and, and just said that her expectations for her grandson had been so low. It had been so low, but seeing this and him being a part of this program, just, it, it changed her outlook. It changed her outlook on our grandson to say, anything's possible. I just have to, I just have to, I have to make it happen. I have to believe in my grandson. I can't believe in the lowest common denominator of what this child can do because you have to make a commitment and you have to have high expectations for children, all children, not just visually impaired or blind children. If your expectations are low, that's where, that's where they're going to be. And, and she was very happy, very thankful, uh, it, to the point of we were both almost in tears over, over this. Uh, but it, it, again, like I said before, about working and talking book services, it is the most fulfilling job I've ever had. As far as how you feel inside as a person, how you feel about the work you do, that it's, and, and, and you want to say, well, you know, it's not all about the money. Being a librarian is never about the money. If you're going into library service, let's just say you're not going in it for the money. Exactly. You're not going in it for the money, but to help others, and in this case, uh, my blind and visually handicapped patrons, it, it's, 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 it's just amazing. Uh, there's no other way to, to say this. I, I feel good every day I talk to them. I feel good every day I go to work about them. Now, I don't want to gloss it over to say that there aren't bad days, because just just like in any other library, you know that there's always the one. There's always the one, but guess what? There's only the one, and there have been 15 others that have been great. So you don't focus, you don't focus on the one. You focus on the 15 that were just great. You, had, you, had, you enjoyed talking to them. They enjoyed talking to you. They, they tried to make work challenging. Sometimes we get into discussions because uh, sometimes our clients – they don't quite remember the title of the book. Uh, they don't quite remember the author of the book. Sometimes they can only remember maybe a character or two. And it makes it fun. Uh, that's where your, your reference services, uh, um, reference services, I guess I'll call them juices, uh, where you're, you're stimulated. It's like, okay, I need to find this. I need to find this. And this is my shout out to Discus at the South Carolina State Library. Uh, one of the databases is called Novelist Plus, and I use it all the time. Uh, it helps me when I'm looking for a series. Uh, uh, it gives me like authors, 
and it also helps me uh, sometimes, well, if especially if I'm looking for characters, because a lot of times, it, it, well, this is an example. There's Bert and Gertie. Uh, it's part of a, a series by, uh, I believe, Jana DeLeon. And of course, they don't tell me the author's name. They, they only remember Bert and Gertie. It's the Bert and Gertie books. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> Bert and Gertie. And, and so, you know, with Discus and also with our, with CLOS, which is our operating system, um, it makes uh, searching for books like that very easy. I can answer all, any and all questions that they might have and give the client what they want. And they, of course, they think we're amazing when we do that. It's like, no, we're in the background while I'm talking and I'm typing and trying to find this for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I know that, you know, it's, it's always wonderful when you hear that uh, someone's job is really fulfilling and you know that you're making a difference and that story that you told of the grandmother and, you know, all of those things just kind of sum up to knowing that, uh, you know, our, our tax dollars are doing some really good stuff out there and, and helping people who, you know, may not otherwise be able to enjoy life the way they're enjoying it. Now. Exactly. Exactly. It's, a, so. yeah, it's a wonderful service. It's a wonderful service. And I, I want to uh, just share, uh, if you know of someone who would qualify for the service and, and a lot of people think that you have to be totally blind. You do not. Uh, this is for someone who has glaucoma. This is for someone who has uh, cataracts or they've been diagnosed, diagnosed with macular degeneration, or maybe they just had a stroke and now they can't hold a book. This service is for them. And, and that, that, that's the one thing that we try to drive home. And that's what we'll put uh, a link to um, the, the South Carolina Talking Books, and that's sctalkingbook.org. Folks can go there and find out all the information. And if you do have a family member or loved one who is interested in the service, certainly go there and find out more. And one of our wonderful reader advisors in Talking Book Services will be glad to answer any questions. Exactly. And they can actually ask for me if they want to. There you go. Great. Well, thank you so much, Brenda, for being with us today. Thank you, Curtis. It was a great time. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.